1: With Frank LaRosa, this is your host, Frank LaRosa. And as always, I'm joined here by the president and the man of the hour, Dale Dempsey. What's (laughs) (laughs) up?
0: The man of the hour. I'm always trying to think about a new introduction. (laughs) That was Well, it's definitely a special hour. This is our one hundredth podcast, which is kind of it went by fast. Went by fast yeah it wasn't as easy as I thought it would be, like you know,
1: everyone's like, Oh, yeah, do a podcast, yeah, just you do know, it every sure. day yeah, true everyone every day. You should do it every day, yeah, right, <laughs> like okay, we have advisors that we have to help move, so it's not possible, but but it is our one hundredth podcast episode. We have thousands and thousands of hundreds of thousands of downloads, which is great, or I don't know what they call them downloads, but you're not downloading streams, the, streams think, and, think and, that's and, the listeners and subscribers, which is great also on our YouTube channel, which is really growing in popularity, you know, thousands of subscribers there. So it's the same thing. Advisor talk with Frank LaRosa. I know for me personally, I was talking to my wife about this over the weekend. When I listen to somebody, I tend to like to watch the the YouTube version, right? Right. So I was listening to Rob Deirdick over the weekend and while sure. traveling. He's amazing, the ridiculous guy, ridiculousness guy, the TV guy, the skateboarder. Yeah. But his his mind is crazy in terms of how he runs his business and his life. So but the point was is that I watched it on YouTube versus listening to him just on the podcast. So but anyway, so today we're gonna really just talk a little bit about your favorite podcast, my favorite podcast, and rehash some of those things just to see if maybe if those things have changed. I'm not sure. So why don't we get started? So what I know you have a little bit of a list there so Yeah.
0: Well, what's uh, your number 1? Before I get into my number 1, just want to give a special thanks to everybody that's been on the show mm-hmm. so far, all the participants, whether you gave us ideas for shows or, you know, you were on here yourself. That's been great. It's just a milestone. I can't wait to get to 1000 now. But, you know, special thanks to all you folks who yeah. uh, who it actually make it easier for us. Yeah. It makes it easier for
1: us when people send in questions topics they want to talk about. This way we can just talk about it, right? It's called Advisor Talk because it's really all about what advisors are talking about on a daily, weekly basis. So it's really not necessarily what we want to talk about. But yeah, it's been, it's been great and I look forward to another hundred, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, hopefully we can pump out a hundred. Well, we're, actually we're building out our new new studio, which will be oh, cool. great. So you know I have I got our first little piece of, can't really see it, but... So we're designing this new studio, which is great. So now we don't have to sit in our makeshift, moving my office around, but that's going to be great. And I think that'll allow us for to produce more, more episodes because it'll be ready to rock and roll. It's just been a great energy. So I'm really excited about that.
0: Yeah, nice setting with over there with the marketing team. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are people who talk to advisors all day long. I mean, that's the only thing that they do. So it's always interesting to get their perspective. They actually, so i'll hop right into the top five list here they came up with a lot of the the mad lib for advisors questions for that episode so if you if you don't remember that one was you know it's like a fill in the blank so sort of like i i wish my firm had blank or did blank or you know you fill in the blank there and yeah we went we talked through a whole bunch of firms that that exist out there but you know, with thousands of them in the marketplace, it's it's hard to keep track. Thankfully, we've got a, a system in place, but.
1: Yeah, that was, I think that was great because the the whole moral of that story there was, to your point, you might be at a firm and you're frustrated with, you know, what the firm is telling you they can and cannot do with certain things. And that was like, I wish they could, I wish I can use Instagram. I'm just picking a topic, right? And the firm's saying that we can't do that, but the reality is you can, you're just not at the right firm, right? I experienced that when I was away last week with a client at Raymond James, a couple of topics came up, one of them was technology, right? And in my mind, it was like, I wish, I wish they had a streamlined system to do X, Y, or Z, is what they were getting at the firm that they're at, they have today. And then during the course of the meeting with Raymond James last week, they were starting to see all that stuff. And you can see their sort of blood boiling a little bit, like (laughs) frustrated, right? Sure. So, but yeah, that was a good one.
0: Yeah, it brought out some ones that, you know, some like table stakes topics that you'd think you'd have at any firm. That was was hilarious. So one that got a whole bunch of views and it was one of my favorites to do is, is it a deal or is it a loan? And that's a really clever title right there. Whoever wrote that, got to give him some credit for that. Because I don't know what that really says. I think really maybe says. you did that.
1: I think that, you're was, right. Was exactly. that right? Maybe,
0: maybe. Oh, OK. I
1: don't know if you're right. And I think that we still have this debate all the time. But yeah, is it a deal or is it a loan? It's a forgiv- you know, it could be a forgivable loan, or it can, be, it can be forgiven based on time, or it can be forgiven based on production. But if I think the moral of that story was you know, the money's coming from someplace, and the more money you're looking for from a firm to give you up front, the lower your payout's going to be, and you're essentially paying, paying yourself With your own dollars, which was the whole moral to that story. Yeah,
0: and that's the conversation we constantly find ourselves in. A little bit of it was sort of like I kept talking about new speak, but there's industry lingo here that exists that we know will make you think about how it's not alone. And I can't tell you, I still talk to people who you know, well, it's it's forgivable. They'll literally say that stuff. Yeah, well, it's forgivable. It's a forgivable loan. It's a loan. Yeah, just, just take out all the other words. <laughs> right, it's, right. It's, it says loan.
1: So I think if you're doing that for advisors that are going down that road right now to look at and looking at firms, just understand, know what it is, know what it isn't, and you know we work with some firms that don't provide any any upfront compensation, right? But their their ongoing economics are significantly better, right? Because they're giving them a high payout, and then they're they're not really embedding any sort of hidden costs. right? So when you look at those numbers, your break even is really only a couple of years in terms of you joining a firm like that, understanding that you may not necessarily get any transition dollars moving up front, or in a couple of the firm's cases, and you know the firm I'm talking about, they can provide actually a loan, a working capital loan. If you are leaving deferred comp, or you're looking to Build out the office, and you need money to do that. But that's a traditional loan where you're paying it off, but you're paying it off through much higher payouts. So again, your economics still work out the same. It's well, funny how we how we categorize things in this business. Yeah, I guess that <laughs> so. we look at it differently. But you know, for me, it brings me to, you know, I think my favorite episode, and we sort of did it on the fly, was the 1099 versus W two. Oh and, yeah, you know, and that was one of those like that's on my list too. Yeah, so that was one of those like. You may not have everything everything perfect and it may, and it was sort of raw, right? We just set the camera up in front of the grease board in our conference room area and just sort of just did our thing, right? Right. But that's, I think, one of the most downloaded episodes of any of the episodes that we did. So it's 10 to 9 versus W2, where we walked through all of the the top line components of it, not necessarily the tax implications. But I love that one because we were just basically winging it, Right. You and I were talking about it. So, for those of you that don't know, so Dale and I and a couple others were sitting at the table, and we were trying to explain to somebody the difference between 1099 and W two. And Dale was like, "Dude, we should just we should just record this, right?" <laughs> and so we just recorded it, right? It was raw. It wasn't anything special. We didn't have any like lights or anything. The camera, all the, the lighting was horrible. And but it's all about the content, right? That's what this whole purpose of what we're doing here. Is all about content. My wife, I was talking to my wife over the weekend. and She said, "You know, I think what people like about your podcast is that you're you're educating them on stuff, right? And that's the most important thing. It doesn't necessarily matter what our podcast, I'll call it our makeshift podcast studio, looks like here, which is which is basically crammed in my office, or the new podcast we're going to do with some with a killer desk and some awesome chairs and some cool background and I would say this, we're going to make that our little playground. Well,
0: that's, so. what you, that's what you do when you're a business owner and you're going through growth and expansion. You just you use the square footage you have. But yeah, look, is it the right setting for everybody? No. And it's interesting to go through the math on one of those things just to find out what it looks like. And I think that's, it's a testament to where the industry is heading. The fact that it's one of the most downloaded podcasts that we've done, it just goes to show you that you know, Whether you're you're an entrepreneur, you're self-employed, you're an employee, there's consideration that goes into... I actually talked to an advisor yesterday about that because he wanted health benefits. And I said, well, then you'd have to be W-2. And he said, oh, you're right. right. You're right. Unless, I, unless I we do it, right. It. But what surprised me the most about that
1: podcast and what continually surprises me as the industry trends towards independence, right? Whether that's an independent broker-dealer, hybrid firm or a straight RIA, you sort of lump them all together, right? I was with a very sophisticated team this week, last week, like really sophisticated. I'll just call it north of $6 million in revenue, right? And they really didn't understand like all of the differences between 1099 and W-2. They knew the general, that it was higher payouts and you, and you make more money and all those things. But within there, getting into the weeds in terms of how do you properly structure you know, your entities and all of those things, they didn't really understand that. And so, you know, that's where we come in, right? And Our job is to sort of lead them and get them educated and then fill in the gaps with whether it's their CPA or or our firm's CFO service and our, our CPA. But I think that's what surprised me the most about that particular episode in that to us, it's something we talk about all the time, but it was like this unbelievable video that people were like, oh my God, that was amazing. And we're like, really? Like?" The other one on that one, which I thought was quite interesting, and for those of you that watch some of my other podcasts where I'm if I'm interviewing somebody and they see the grease board behind my, my desk, which is basically right over here, it has these numbers and all these squigglies and looks like some big formula. And it has 256% in the corner, which is basically the dual monetization podcast that we did. In terms of walking through with somebody, how they can dual monetize their, their business versus just selling to, you know, if, they're at, if you're at UBS, right, just entering the alpha program or Morgan Stanley and Merrill Lynch. By making those moves, saying to a grease board thing that we did, you can increase the value of your business, ultimately, if you were to sell by over 256% over just taking the deal from your existing firm. I'm a numbers guy. I love, the, I love sort of the math part of it, right? Well, not that I'm a math guy. I'm not really all that good at math, but I uh, love that. Uh, beg to differ. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not as strong as I uh, as I would like to be, but I'm really strong in, in P&L management. Right? Sure. Let's put it that way. Sure. Uh, well, so if the numbers work into a P&L, I know exactly what they are.
0: Right. Well, I'm loving all the private equity stuff that's going on just from the standpoint that it's got all, everybody talking about their P&L. Oh, yeah. What's my P&L worth, right? And you know, you're starting to see, firms do really creative stuff all over the board and deals like I've, I've never seen before. And so it's it's interesting to see the evolution of that yeah. sort of thing. We're
1: definitely gonna do our next podcast will be, I think we're gonna be addressing, which we talked about, really addressing that component because I think things are changing in this space. I think the window is closing a little bit on some of those deals and I think advisors should tread lightly if they're gonna enter into that PE type of deal because it sounds really good on the surface, but if you open up the hood and you get inside there, maybe not not so much. But anyway, that's we we digress. What about you? What's so what what's your so next one? My all time
0: favorite, the is... penguin, penguin costume. <laughs> <laughs> I actually went back no. and and, and <laughs> watched that just to see what that was. Yeah, and then I try shut it off. immediately. you you like famous like, because of that one somebody yeah people you were at a conference and you're yeah. like dude
1: you're the guy in the penguin
0: suit. <laughs> I think it was actually uh, Vaughn Kohler. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who I know from Marte Syndicate and and First Form, yeah. He was one of the ones who came up to me at the conference. He was like, you're the guy in the penguin suit, right? I was like, well, how do you know that? Well, that was funny. That was a good episode, but not my all-time favorite. Okay. It's a
1: shocker. So roll. what was your all-time favorite?
0: Um, The legal series you did with Brian Neville. Oh, yeah. Which I thought had a ton of good information. And it's, I think it's... Four, and if you combine the other one, maybe five videos, something yep. like that. Yep. Um, it's a legal
1: perspective, advisor talk,
0: legal perspective. Yeah. 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 So th- it kicks off with, you know, like his perspective on the things that you want to do when you're transitioning yeah. from a legal legal perspective and just gets to things that you probably wouldn't necessarily think of and gives some great case studies in, yeah. in what's going on. Well, out Well,
1: his insight into an attorney that is one of the best, arguably the best in the business. And he really gives some great nuggets of wisdom that you should be thinking about. Even if a firm says to you, well, we handle, we'll have an attorney represent you, right? Well, I think what people need to know and what they've learned out of those podcasts is that if the firm is paying for an attorney on your behalf, if there ever comes a time where there's an issue, right? That attorney is obligated to the firm, not to you, right? And people don't understand that. So if there's an issue... Somehow, for some reason, the firm is suing you for something. I think you took information or whatever. Up to a point, the firm's attorney is going to go, hey, we're out. We have to represent the F- LPL or Raymond James, whoever it is, right? And so what, the, one of the takeaways was you need to have your own attorney. It may not cost a lot if there's you know if there's not much going on there, but if you have a large practice and there's multiple people and there's deferred comp and you're coming from a non-protocol firm and all these other nuances or you have garden leave, things like that, you definitely should be talking to your own your own attorney. Best money you've ever spent. Yeah, listen. Most of the times you're getting multiple millions of dollars to make your move. If it's going to cost you, you know, ten, twenty grand, thirty grand, forty grand, whatever the number is, you know, it's going to be well worth the time. They typically don't run that much, but you know, not spending thirty, forty thousand dollars unless they're helping you with your partnership agreements, your operating agreements, those types of things. Then it'll it'll be a little bit more money. But when you're talking about just transition. I think people will be surprised how inexpensive it actually is just to have someone represent
0: you that can give you their opinion, you know, so. Yeah, invaluable. Rolling out the red carpet. Now, this was, so this was the last one I had. This is all about the home office visit experience. This was a two-part That's fortuitous
1: considering I just came back from one. Oh, that's
0: right. Right. Is that why you did that? No, you know what? Actually, I wasn't thinking about that. Oh, okay, good. But we're getting back to that point, actually. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how impactful is a home office visit? Well, it could, it really could just sway the advisor one way or another. It's, it's way more than a phone call, right? So you've already got to the point where you've got their interest enough that they'll come and visit you at your, your office of operation. You better do all the right things so that they can make an informed decision and, they're wowed and they, they love you. I mean, oh, that, yeah. that, there's so much in those two podcasts, little things and and well, for the advisor too on that, on that we, side. We came from, you know, again, I just spent
1: three days down in St. Pete at Raymond James with one of our large clients and it was great and all that stuff. I mean, going into that, it was, it was good. They had a sense of sort of where they thought they wanted to go, but they weren't really sure. By the middle of the day, they were like, yeah, we're done. They got to hear from senior leadership. They got to see the people that were in, in you know, in the lending area. They, like they got to see the technology. Not that you can't do that via Zoom, but it's different when you have someone like Paul Riley, who's the CEO of the firm, sitting with you, right, giving you insight into what's going on in the industry. Gives you sort of a comfort level that like you're in good hands. But they they were like, yeah, we're we're done. We, we know where we want to go, and I think that firms. Look, it's great coming out of the whole COVID thing, right? That you're able to move the ball down the road maybe further using Zoom and stuff like that. More people are definitely comfortable doing those things. But there's nothing better than going down and you know, wherever it is and, and sitting in front of the potential firm that you're going to go join because there's body language stuff that you see when someone's answering questions. There's just simply walking through the halls of oh, an organization. I was going to
0: bring that up. Yeah. So... You can go do a home office visit and there's a lot of smiling faces. Raymond James specifically is it's pretty exciting to see such a large organization, no matter what floor you go on, to see how many happy people there are yeah. at that company. Yeah. It's and you just you don't pick that up on, yeah. a, on a Zoom call it, or,
1: look, this isn't a Raymond James pitch, right? But the the fact of the matter is if you have a If you have a great firm culture and you know you do or you believe you do, right, and it's in your core, you should do whatever you can as a firm to try to get your potential advisors out to your company. Whatever it's going to cost, it's worth every penny because if you really believe that you have the best, then you should be doing that. And, you know, coming out again, coming out of COVID, I think firms need to step it up again. But that podcast was really partly about firms that do it well and some firms that don't do it well. We talked about that. There are some firms that are, I've been on a couple that were just awful. And so, you know, it's sort of my job to give that feedback to any firm that we work with. Like, hey, listen, here's what our experience was. I mean, I say our our client and me, I'm on the same side of the table. But I think that was a good one. If so if you're a firm thinking about those things, you should go listen to that, right? But I also covered, you know, what advisors should be doing when they're going on a home office visit. So you want to check that out as well, because there's things like, to your point, like, Everybody can be great in an interview, right? And they're pitching who they are and this is what we do for you, right? But behind the scenes, there may be some things missing. Years ago,
0: we had, we had a firm cancel a home office visit with an advisor based on some, just the, kind of the advisor's appearance, tardiness, and a couple other things. Oh, yeah. The, so <laughs> I remember that. I don't know. So it was a little, a little eye-opening. Yeah, I guess in retrospect, yeah. it's been years and years since since I even thought about that. But it's you know, you listen to the podcast, it's got well, a couple of in there.
1: And again, this happens to be a Raymond James story, but this was about six years ago and it was a over ten million dollar producer. And I said to him, Listen, when you go there, you know, they're interviewing you too. So just be mindful of that. And a few days later I get a call from Tosh, Elwin, and he says, Hey man, we're gonna pass. We're going to pass. And this this Oh, I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. This advisor, you know, went and was cocky and, you know, complained, why didn't they fly me down first class? And, you know, even though like nobody at Raymond James, not even Paul Riley, flies first class unless it's on their own own dime. You know, like they didn't even send a car for me. Well, that's because the president of the firm picked you up in his own car. Like culturally he just didn't fit. And that's what these firms are looking for. And it was a $10 million producer. So I, I applauded them. I wasn't happy that they said no. <laughs> but that's the reason why we have so much success with them because of the culture. So anyway, so one of the ones that I like, almost like i am it's a sentimental reason, right, was what does your mailbox look like? Because yeah. that was like our first one. So it, is that it was that first one or two, I think.
0: I tried to find that one because that was the one that. I, I thought of instantly too. Yeah. that That's a classic. So, yeah. So what does your mailbox looks like? And that was us winging it. That was us
1: trying to figure this whole, this whole thing out here, right? And that was really about, and I guess it's fortuitous also, that's the word of the day, I guess, is now we're getting back to clients coming back into your office and recruiting and things like that. So paying attention to, again, to what your office looks like. So that episode, for those of you that maybe didn't listen to it, you should go back, had to do with your client, right? Experience, and if you're a practitioner, or owner of a business, and you're trying to recruit people into your office, what does that experience look like? I happened to go to an advisor's office one day, and it was just awful.
0: You wanted to leave.
1: I wanted to leave. It was (laughs) like, I'm like, I can't, I can't advise a client to come here, meaning an advisor client to join his office. Like he had an empty refrigerator
0: just sitting in one empty office, and it was just not cool. To the mailbox thing, it's the first thing you see when you come up to a house. So you want to make a good first impression because what do they say about first impressions? It's it's, right. It's everything. I think what got me going on that
1: one is I had changed my mailbox because it sort of looked a little run down. And across the street, we had a neighbor that their mailbox was run down. Not a little. It was just run down. It was a nice house. And it got me thinking like, I wonder what's going on in that house. Like the house must be in chaos if they let their mailbox just basically like hanging there. And so that's what... That's what it goes to, right? If you don't have an organized office and the office environment itself isn't organized, what does that say about you as a professional? And when clients come in, they think about that stuff. And I think that if you're, you could be a frugal individual, I'm not gonna say cheap, but you can be frugal, but still be organized and clean. You don't have to- Work with what you have. Work with what you have, but, but see things through the eyes of your clients. And as we're coming, as we're now out of COVID, in this whole, you know, work from home, not come to the office. You need to start thinking about that stuff again. So anyway, I think that was sort of like one of my one of my favorites. So. Yeah, that was
0: definitely one of my favorites but, too. Yeah. So one more. One more. What do you got? One more. I'll go with the so you did one not too long ago with Ben Newman. So Ben is Ben's great. You know, it's like a coach's coach almost. I don't yeah. know if I say that yeah. the right way, but works with sports teams, right? College teams, D ones University of Alabama. Schools. Kansas State, I think. Yep, Kansas even. State. Yeah. And it's one of the top fifty speakers in the country. Right. Motivational speakers. Mental toughness and all that stuff. Yeah. And if you if you pay attention to the NFL draft, they just draft Alabama, basically. Right. And you know, part of it is him coming in and, and talking to these kids and getting them prepared for the season ahead, the the four year, five year span ahead and how how to be motivated day in and day out. And that's that's a great podcast. He talks about the burn,
1: right? Finding your burn. I say purpose, or people say purpose. He uses burn. Why are you doing what you're doing? And so with the Bama kids, and I say kids because they're you know my son's age, right? When you're in an environment that that's hard, right? Nick Saban is a high, has high expectations. If you don't understand what your real burn is, why you're really doing this, right? You're never gonna make it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what he drove home and I know for us, we know what our purpose is, right? We know what our burn is, you know, to deliver high levels of services to advisors that look to make a move so that they get the very best advice possible in making their move. And that is a driving purpose of ours, which is why we work so hard and just put the grind in. So that was I think was a great one because it that sort of crosses over your personal life, yes. your professional life. Yes. Why are you doing the things that you're doing? Why are you working so hard? Well, Part of your burn has to do with your family life, right? And why are you, you know, like getting up at the crack of dawn to do what we do
0: and work late at night and try to accomplish things? The burn for me, it's great because it helps me make decisions. Right. I can make a ton of aesthetic decisions if I know what the end goal is. Right. If I don't, I'm really hamstrung as to what I'm thinking and what... The way I do
1: things is if any of the decisions in my life don't line up with what my purpose is, right, or my burn, I just don't do them. Because it distracts me from my my goals of doing what we're doing here, right? So it's it's not only just helping advisors all across the country, really get good advice, because I fear a lot of times that advisors are making a move, and they're not getting the right advice. It's not that they're getting necessarily bad advice, because I'm not, I'm not like, putting down other other like recruiting firms, right? But a lot of those firms just simply don't have the background and experience that, that we do, that I do, to give an advisor the right advice through the right process. Or we really worry about when an advisor knows somebody who knows someone, and so they're talking to some firm, but they're talking to them by themselves. And that's really the only firm that they're talking to, not understanding there's so many more options out there. Right so yeah that might be an okay decision but it was was it the best decision and so i actually lose sleep at night thinking about those things right and then building an organization where people can come to this firm and understand and believe in that same purpose and then build a career for themselves here so the more people we can bring on to you know bring over to elite the more advisors we can help that's what i obsess about to a fault sometimes i was
0: thinking about it actually on the way to work this morning about how I get to help people, because I was having a conversation with my son right before I left, and put a smile on my face as I headed out the door, knowing that hey, you know what, I get to help people. Yes. That you don't always get to do that as as a. No,
1: you don't get to see day it either. To day. Um, we were leaving dinner the other night, and so I explained to my, you know, when, when I'm away for like for, for four days, it's you know, in, in weeks in a row, it's a little bit maybe tough on my wife, and I tried to explain to her like the experience that I get when I'm leaving a dinner with a, what starts off as a client who then become friends, right? And we're hugging each other, like at the beginning we shake hands and by the end of the two or three days we're hugging each other and they're so happy and thankful that we were there with them, representing them, asking questions that they never thought to ask. To me, that's the reward. And that's what I was trying to explain to my wife, like I, I understand that, but I have to be there for these people because it's the reward and the satisfaction we get. Money will come if you do the right thing and you drive with your purpose. The dollars will follow. You don't worry about that. It's the connections that we have with our clients become many times, become very close friends of ours. One of my best friends has started off as a client. So, you know, I I love that. So anyway, we appreciate it very much. Thank you very much for your time. This was awesome. We look forward to another hundred. Keep the questions coming. Don't forget to subscribe. Smash that like button. Go to YouTube, subscribe send out a link to people that you that you know that might have interest in in listening to our content it's advisor talk it's it's really designed and geared to help every single advisor out there with all sorts of questions so we can answer just about anything if we if we know what you're looking for so anyway great job dale thanks great talk talk.
0: thanks for listening to advisor talk with frank larosa if you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry or you just want to subscribe to our podcast Head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcasts.